Um, we're in a sermon series uh, right now called The Cross of Christ. And why we're talking about the cross of Jesus Christ is because it is an interesting thing that the symbol of the Christian faith is an instrument of torture. That's what the cross is. It was, a, it was a way that you executed people. So why in the world did we take a symbol of execution and make it the symbol of our faith? And so we've talked about that in, in some aspects. We've seen that what the cross accomplished. Um, the cross accomplished something some 2,000 years ago, and it continues to work things out in us today. It did something, and it does something. It did something and it does something. And what we saw that it did, what it accomplishes, first off, the cross is the power of God to save people from their sins. You see, all of us have sinned, all of us have wronged God, and Jesus went to the cross to pay for all of the wrongdoing that you and I have done. He went to the cross and he paid for it. It's the power of God to save us. Not only did it forgive us our sins, but it made us right with God. I don't know if you've ever had to forgive somebody before, but you're like, okay, I forgive you, but this forever changes our relationship. Um, what God did is he forgave us and then made us in right standing with him, restored our relationship with him again. And that was a beautiful thing. And I, I know that seems like a lot to take in. How does, how does one event, some 2,000 years ago, how does, that, how does that take care of what I'm dealing with now? How in the world did what happened back then affect me today? I mean, Jesus wasn't the only one who was crucified. He's not the first person, he wasn't the last person to die by crucifixion. It is the cross and what happened after the cross that makes everything different. It's not only his death, but his resurrection. Jesus went to the cross and then on the third day rose from the dead. And so today I'm gonna to read to you the account of the resurrection, and then I'm gonna to talk to you about why this is so important for us today. So I'm gonna start out by reading Luke uh, 24, verses one through 12, and then jumping down to 36. The words are gonna be on the screen behind me so you can follow along as I read. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground and said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember what he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered these words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the Martha of James and other women who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Then we jump down to verse 36. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that I, it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved and for, for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witness to these things. The resurrection of Jesus was a miracle, but that's not all it was. It displayed the power of God that he can raise the dead, but that's not all that it was. It was truly amazing to see, but that's not all that it was. It was something deeper and truer and more stable that we could hang our, our lives upon, that we could hold on to. And the, re, the, the central theme of today's message is this. The resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence in Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence in Jesus. How does the resurrection give us confidence in Jesus? Well, it gives credibility to everything else that he said, because he made some bold claims in his life. Chief among them, I'm God, right? Like, that's a big claim. Like, if anybody were to come up to you today and said, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Glad you could join us here. What do you bring to you today? He's like, oh, funny you should mention, I'm God, right? Like, that would be like, oh, that's a bit forthright. He made claims to be God. He said, I and the Father are one. He also said that he had the power to forgive sins, which only God can do. He made these bold claims. And then he said that he would give his life as payment for the sins of others. That, that there are people who deserve the death penalty and he would stand in their place instead, even though he did nothing wrong. And not only would he go to the cross, that he would die on the cross, but that he would rise on the third day. These claims and their proof build the foundation for the church. The resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence in Jesus. We can trust what he said because he did what he said he was going to do. And so today we're going to talk about like the implications of that. Why does this matter so much and why is this so important? And we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, verses uh, 3 and moving on through that today. Um, and that's where we're going to be spending the rest of our time this morning. But the first thing we see is, what do we believe? As followers of Jesus, what do we believe? Verses three and four. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This message, what you just heard, this message has been taught to every follower of Jesus throughout all of the centuries. This message of Jesus, he says, what I received, I pass on to you. That Jesus died on the cross in, accord in accordance with the scriptures for our sins, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This message has crossed continents and language barriers and cultures 
and time. This message is the message of first importance. This is the most important thing that you will ever hear in your entire life. It is of first importance. This is more important than the person that you're gonna marry. This is more important than the job that you take. This is more important than the challenges you will face. Of first importance is this message, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, was buried and was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Now, your Bible, if you have a Bible, it's not one book, it's 66 books, okay? It's a compilation of books. And throughout the entire thing, this, these 66 books were written by 40 different authors on three different continents and three different languages over a long period of time, over a thousand years. That's the, that, that what you have in your hands is the Bible. That's how it was comprised. And yet, from beginning to end, there's this beautiful story that's woven throughout the whole thing, and it all makes sense, and they all work together. And the only way we can describe that is that there was a chief author who stood above all of that, who inspired human authors to write these things. It is the plan of God that's unfolded in the Bible. And Jesus says that, it, that he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So the first two-thirds of your Bible is what we would call the Old Testament. And the Old Testament talks about the creation of human beings, um, how we've sinned against God. We, Adam and Eve in the garden, broke God's commands. We had one job, we didn't do it. And, and then throughout the rest of the two-thirds of the Bible, the first two-thirds, is God's telling us that someday he's gonna rescue us. So we see mankind falling and failing again and again and again and again, and God saving again and again and again and again. And he said, there's gonna come a day when there's one person who will take care of all sins once for all. And so he gives us clues and hints all the way through the first two thirds of your Bible. They're called prophecies. And there's different, there's different hints that you see like, okay, when, when the Savior comes, when the Christ comes, and the word Christ simply means chosen one, means the one who's gonna save us, and he says, when the Christ comes, he's gonna do these things, and then we see something odd, that he's going to die for our sins. He's going to pay the penalty for us. And, but he's woven this trail all the way through it, and then we get into seeing Jesus, and we see that, oh, he fulfills all of these prophecies all along the way that we're told about him. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those things, and then he goes to the cross, and he dies for us, pays for our sins. Because the wages of sin, what we deserve with sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Sin always brings death. So the wages of sin is death. And so Jesus goes and dies for sins in accordance with the scriptures. And then he was buried and raised in accordance with the scriptures. This was foretold about. This is the message of first importance. This message is the foundation of this church. Ignite is founded on this message. And every church that belongs to Jesus is founded on this message, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he raised from the dead in accordance with the scriptures. And you're like, okay, that's cool what we believe. Why does it matter that we believe those things? Well, I'm glad you asked because I happen to be uh, in verse 13 and I will tell you why this matters so much. So thanks for being curious and playing along. 
But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who are, have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So here's the thing. If the resurrection didn't happen, then your faith is futile and we're misrepresenting God. Or to say it another way, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, your faith is nothing and I'm lying about God. That's kind of bold, right? I mean, that's, that's, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then I'm saying things that God did not say or God did not do. And when I do that, that's called lying, right? And your faith is futile. Your faith comes to nothing. If Christ is not raised from the dead, we have no hope. You see, Jesus made the claim to be God, right? We talked about it. Jesus claimed to be God. But you know what? Other people have claimed to be God. Even in my lifetime, I've seen leaders claim to be God. It's not the first time nor the last time that was happened. Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven. Others have taught about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is seen by many as a good teacher and a religious leader, but there's lots of good teachers and religious leaders. What makes Jesus stand out is that he said he would die for our sins and then raise from the dead, and then he did it. He really died, he really was buried, and he was really raised from the dead. Other teachers have said, this is the way. Jesus says, I am the way. If there's no resurrection, of the, of there's, if Jesus isn't resurrected, if there's no resurrection, then how can we really trust what he said? Like, think about it. Like, Jesus said, hey, there's life after death. And then he dies, and then what if he stayed dead? Do we, we, will we really, how would we know if he was telling the truth? If Jesus said, I'm gonna go and pay for your sins, and I'm gonna die for you, and then he does, but he doesn't raise from the dead after that, how do we really know that that's what was accomplished? How can we really know? So this is something that, I don't know, it makes sense to me, so I'm gonna describe it and hope it makes sense to you too. I grew up playing hockey, okay? So I grew up playing hockey, and when I grew up playing hockey, I got my fair share of penalties, okay? Um, not as many as I deserved, but I still have my fair share of penalties, okay? And when I got a penalty, I would go to the penalty box and you'd have to sit there, right? You'd have to sit there and then when the penalty was over, you got out, right? That's, that's how you knew when the penalty was done, that when the penalty was done, you got out of the box, okay? That's when you knew the penalty was over, and then once the penalty was over, that's time served. They don't, they don't make you serve that anymore. That's a penalty. It cost you. Now you're out of the box, okay? That's how, that's how you knew the penalty was over. How do we know that Jesus paid the penalty for all of us? When he got out of the box, right? Like, so like he got out of the grave. So if the, wages, if the penalty for sin is death, 
and he died, how do we know that the penalty's fully paid and done? When he got out of the box. When he, got out of the, when he got out of that, when he got out of the grave, he showed that the penalty has been paid and paid in full, and yet there's life after that. We know that there is life after this because Jesus did it first. That there's life beyond Christ, the, the life behind death, and it's with Christ. If Jesus is still in the grave, we don't know. Is it still being paid? Is he paying for sins that happened in the 1500s? Has he gotten to me yet? Like, we don't know, and that, that's a scary place to be. Like, man, I hope Jesus took care of my stuff before I died so that I could be with him. But we don't have to wonder because Jesus died and then rose from the dead. He paid for it all, and when he paid for it all, he was able to take it out. He, he came out of the grave. That's how we know that our sins are paid for. And he says, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then your faith is futile, and we should all, of all people be most to be pitied. Like, why live a life of sacrifice? Why live a life of serving others? If this, if this life is all that there is, then let's just take what we can get. Why not live a selfish life? We could just get all we can, can all we get, and call it good. And if someone was to live beyond themselves, we would think, man, what a waste. They could have been spending that time on themselves. If the resurrection isn't true, then this is all that there is. And we would be, of all people, most pitied. That's why it matters. That's why it matters. And this is how it applies to you today. Verses 20 through 22. But in fact, Christ has been raised from, the dead, raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The fact is that Christ raised from the dead. That's true, historic, bodily resurrection, really died, really came back, rose from the dead. He appeared to the women at the tomb. He appeared to the 11 apostles that were still alive at the time. And then later on, he would appear, he would appear to over 500 people at once over the span of 40 days. People really saw that he rose from the dead. And they really would have said, that's Jesus. We watched him die on the cross. And then look, his grave's empty and he's standing right there. Well, that's strange. I've never seen that before. Right? When someone dies on a cross, gets buried, gets wrapped in burial cloths, put in a tomb, stone rolled over, stone sealed, when they come to the tomb back to prepare his body for, for the rest of his burial days, they didn't find him there. But rather they found him standing alive and says, touch my feet, touch my hands. Give me some fish, I'll eat in front of you. That's, I'll show you that I'm not just a spirit. I have flesh and blood. I really bodily rose from the dead. And that changed the entire world. It's changed the entire world. It really, really happened. And then Jesus, it says that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The words fallen asleep is a nice way of saying died. Jesus is the first fruits, means he's the best. He's the best. He's the first fruit, he's the best portion and Jesus rose from the dead, and that he can move forward and he grants us forgiveness for all who would put their trust in him. 
And so it says, just as in one man came the sin of the world, so and through another came the living after death, made alive. The one man being Adam. Adam, back in the book of Genesis, is the first book in your Bible, chapter three, so it's way at the beginning. God says, I give you one job, and he's like, I don't wanna do that one job. And so he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He already knew good, which means now he wanted to know evil. And he, he was the portal, the gateway of sin entering the world. Like, through one man came this, all this sin, all the brokenness that you see in the world, all the, all the pain and suffering that we see in the world, all the war and famine that we see in the world, all the problems that we see in the world can be traced to the fact that we are all sinners. We, all, we, we fight against each other. We look out for our own interests at the expense of others. We lead selfish lives. We, we live this life apart from God and our hearts are turned away from God. We don't want to do what God wants us to do. We would rather be our own God. And that's the, that's the case for all of us. And you're like, well, if that's the case, then what hope do I have in yourself? None. But through one man came sin, through one man came mercy, came Jesus. That he went to the cross and he paid for sin. Our resurrection. Jesus did not die for his own sin, he died for all of our sins. And he was raised from the dead. Proof that the penalty had been paid and that there's life after the grave. No one in history has done this outside of Jesus. No one in history has claimed to be God, said he was gonna die for your sins and then raise from the dead. No one's done that one. That's Jesus, he stands alone. It's an idea that was birthed in, in, the, in, in God himself. And he gives forgiveness and grace to all who would trust him. Not try harder, not do better, not work this off. Trust me. Trust me is what he says. He says, trust me, come to me, I'll take care of it. You just gotta come with me on this. Which means you have to submit your own agenda and your own life, bring it to me, let me lead you, and I will take care of the rest. The follower of Jesus is one who's been forgiven, not one who's perfect. The follower of Jesus is one who's been forgiven. And Jesus even tells us these things, like, are you burdened, are you heavy laden, are you weighed down by things? Come to me and I will give you rest. If you're in here today and you're feeling like you have a bunch of shame just built up from the choices that you've made throughout your life that's filled with regret, come to Jesus. Let him take care of that for you. If you're wondering if, I, if you're just good enough so that God would love you, stop trying, come to Jesus, and just let him love you. Are you in this place that you're like, God could never forgive me? Come to Jesus. He didn't die on the cross for nothing. If you're in this place and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. My life is so dark and I don't see a light at the end of this. I don't know how it's gonna get better. Come to Jesus. The worst event in the history of humanity was when sinners crucified the Lord Jesus. There's been nothing worse in the history of the world that mankind has done. 
And God took the worst that we could do and turn it into something beautiful, glorious, and good. If you're in a spot today and you have no idea how you're gonna get out of this situation, come to Jesus and let him start to work these things together for the good. If you're in this place and you don't have any hope, come to Jesus. He gives life even after death. If you're in this place and you're alone, come to Jesus. He never leaves nor never forsakes. He doesn't leave us as orphans. If you're in this place and you're just grieving, come to Jesus. He's near to the brokenhearted. If you're in this place and you're prideful, come to Jesus. Humble yourself and then let him welcome you in. Stop trying to come up with all the answers. Jesus has them and they all belong to him. Come to Jesus. That's why the cross matters. That's why the resurrection matters. It's a beautiful thing to know that we are past all of that. And so the resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence in Jesus. Gives us confidence in Jesus. We can have confidence that he indeed said what he was going to do and then he did it. We can trust him. So when he says things that are hard and we read things about this that are difficult, we can say, okay, that's true, but Jesus did go to the cross for my sins and then raised from the dead. That, that's enough for me to take the next step. The cross is proof that Jesus, God does not excuse sin, but he deals with it. God's never gonna take your past sins and hang them over your head. That would cheapen the cross. He paid for it. There's no condemnation left. There's no guilt left. It's all been taken care of. You can be confident that Jesus is both serious about sin and gracious to sinners. God found a way to deal with sin and be kind to us at the same time. I think that's amazing. And that's beautiful. That's the only God could think of that. The resurrection is proof that God dealt with sin fully and we can have confidence that Jesus' death covers me and Jesus' resurrection gives me new life beyond my sin. There's something more. And we get to become his ambassadors and we get to live joyfully in the forgiveness of God. What an amazing truth. And this is available to everyone. Every single person can have this forgiveness but it's about trusting in Jesus. So in a moment, uh, we're gonna pray. And during that pray, prayer, pray, during the pray, right? During that prayer, I'm gonna ask you if you haven't given your life to Jesus and you want to, just to raise your hand. And I'm just gonna pray over you and walk you through that. But friends, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day we rejoice. Today is the day we have confidence in knowing that everything that I've ever done is taken care of on the cross of Christ and I can just live a free life in joy and humility, thanking God for all that he's done for us. Come to Jesus today. Let's pray.